Anything to say, Binks? Did you not hear me earlier when I was like, and what do you think about Red Brian Royal Blue? Oh, I didn't! <laughs> I was like, very insightful, thank you. Say something. Binks. It's purring. Thank you. Thank you for that. I definitely heard that ASMR. <laughs> I put my mouth on it. Oh! <laughs> Don't put my mouth on it anymore. Hey, everybody. It's literary bitchcraft. If I was better at British accents, we could just do this whole thing in a British accent. Hello, everybody. It's literary bitchcraft. What were you going to say? Um... Oh my god. There was this post that I almost sent to you earlier that was like, can't wait to meet up with my friend and talk in British accents for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Laura filming the podcast. My nose is stuffed up. Didn't it say? What? That sounded like auto tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Just my nose. Okay, I didn't know. I knew people trimmed doberman's tails but i didn't know they trimmed their ears for the pointy look so i didn't know yeah. dobermans had like naturally flappy ears yeah, it's so and cute and they're so cute why would you want to alter that because humans want to fuck everything up all the time so i finally no today saw doberman with flappy ears and it's so cute i didn't win the year free cocoa floss giveaway at my dentist <laughs> sorry to interrupt what you're talking about it's very important but i am perturbed Cocoa Floss is fucking expensive. And you saw how I felt about my dentist appointment yesterday. <laughs> I really typed that whole thing out, like, not even thinking anything about it with the photo. I just loved Sydney's response. <laughs> trying to have an educational experience. Should I read it like a monologue? Yeah. You like pickles, right? I like my non-existent. Hate them. It's Nicole that likes pickles. Yeah. I hate pickles. <laughs> Hate them. <clears throat> the devil's dildo. <laughs> Ribs for no one's pleasure. Okay, here's the monologue I accidentally sent the girls. One who's missing. Um, I sent a photo of James in the scene where he's attacking Bella in the ballet studio. And over James, I have it say my dentist. And over Bella, it says me. And over James's hand is an edited hand of a dentist with, like, I don't know, a dentist tool in it. And I said, <clears throat> just got done at the dentist. They fucked my shit up. I love the dentist. Love the girlies. Love the dilf of a doctor who always looks at my boobs and then calls me my mom's name, which has got to be doing psychological damage, but he's hot, so it's fine. But I am sick of them telling me I'm doing everything right, but my teeth are demons bestowed upon me by an evil bone monster. And there's nothing I can do to battle them because they're stronger than me. How the fuck am I Voldemort and the dumb, stupid fucking built-in jaw Tic Tacs? Harry Potter. <laughs> so much. So, I like how Nicole didn't reply for the longest time. <laughs> She's like, I'm still trying to process it. That was me two days after you sent me the photo of Harry Styles uh, on the I've boat. I processed it now. <laughs> Sydney said, uh, girl, I am in a museum. I'm trying to have an educational experience. And you send this. Why? <laughs> why not? Why not? Anyways. We're literary bitchcraft. And we're going to be talking about a title that we can never say correctly. Red, white, and royal blue. Oh, yeah. Our linguistic abilities are going to get fucking shit kicked rocks <laughs> in this episode. By Casey McQuiston, also name. Oh shit! Wait, no, it's McQuiston. Never. I told you McQuiston, but it, you you said it right, McQuiston, right? We don't know. We're just two silly little bitches. There's a man who's illiterate. Loris is left nut. I'm his right nut. And Casey McQuiston <laughs> with red, white, and royal blue is kicking us in the nuts over and over and over. We're trying to make up for uh, the disrespect. <laughs> we did one last stop. We'll end and truly disrespectful. We talked about that for like five minutes and everything else was just your fucking shitty ass. <laughs> that was the ass shit episode. That what? is it has to do with lesbians? 
Nothing. That was the doo-doo ass episode. <laughs> Most women loving women have IBS. That whole thing just remind me of that TikTok meme where it's the Bo Burnham song and like, that's a scarecrow. You know what I'm talking about? There's a tall man in a straw hat <laughs> yeah. with Sir- his arms out in a cornfield. That is a <laughs> scarecrow. <laughs> you're like, I was like, what does that have to do with lesbians? You're like, it's a scarecrow. <laughs> Yeah, Casey McQuiston, they them pronouns for Casey McQuiston, I think, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Casey McQuiston, you write in a way that mm, makes me feral. And unfortunately, I cannot review your amazing books without mm, going crazy, going stupid. Uh, so I know we've already talked about Sydney. I'm going to talk about Sydney one more time. Probably 10 more. But like, why is there a limit? There is no limit. But, like, one more before I jump into the book. Okay. This is Sydney's favorite book that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to say, Sydney, I love you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Scarecrow. <laughs> I'm going to do my best, but I already know that if I ship this mic to Sydney for one day and then she shipped it right back, she would do a much better job than I'm about to do. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> So let's just open this up here. There's two main characters. There's Alex Claremont Diaz mm-hmm. and there's Henry Fox Mount Kristen Windsor. Every time I read Alex's full name, I thought of Cameron Diaz. Fair. Alex Claremont Diaz. And my brain would read it every single time as Alex Cameron Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex is the first son of the United States. His mom is... Oh, well, I'll just read the, the plot real quick because I think it probably might say some of this. Alex Claremont Diaz is the son of America's first female president who is getting ready to run for re-election in 2020. After an incident at a royal wedding, Alex has to pretend to be friends with England's Prince Henry to prevent it becoming a full-blown diplomatic and media crisis that would distract from his mother's election bid. While the effort is initially to control the damage, the two actually do become friends. They eventually become romantically involved when Henry reveals he is gay and Alex realizes he is bisexual. They have to reconcile this with their positions on the world stage while trying not to endanger his mother's re-election. <clears throat> and out Henry. Yeah. And outing the Prince of England. Yeah. That's delicious. It's so good. delicious setup. <laughs> it's so good. You just read that, I'm like, God, I gotta read this again. I know, I'm literally And re- I write it twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's just <sighs> See, throughout the year throughout the year I read, obviously. And at the end of the year when I take a week off of work, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna use this week to read my favorite book of the year and I reread that one. What are you going to reread this year? Dark Rise. 100%. <laughs> I'm already like... <laughs> Chomping at the bit. That, yeah. It was just so fucking good. That's for Picat. <laughs> Kisses for Picat. Always. But this is about Casey. Ah, uh, this was a debut novel too. So like, you know, just some really tasty stuff for a very first novel. I feel like this is often landed in the enemies to lovers category, but I just don't feel like it's a strong enough hatred for enemies. Yeah, it's, it's like, rivals. It's definitely enemies to lovers, but also, I just... No, it's rivals, and first off, it's one-sided rivals. Because Henry the whole time, like, in the beginning, he's kind of like, I don't really care about you. And then you and they get together, you find out that, like, he had a crush on him. He was just, like, a sad boy when they first met, and that's the whole first meeting is what made Alex hate him. I feel like it it's definitely like rivals to lovers. Like I do see that, but I feel like I understand some people, most people, normal people, I think lump rivals and enemies together. You and I on the other hand are like enemies, someone needs to get stabbed. I need to see somebody fight somebody, someone has to punch somebody, someone has to torture somebody. That's an enemy. If I couldn't foresee myself in one of their shoes and crying because of the other person, that's not an enemy. These motherfuckers wouldn't make each other cry. They'd be like a little mean and kind of like a little horny because of the meanness. I don't see these two ever making each other cry. So you're saying we're just so crazy that we would dive into subcategories of... I need my enemies to lovers to be... No, it needs... Enemies to lovers is I will kill you and then it turns into I would kill for you. Yeah, that's the transition. Now, do I think these two would say I'll kill you? Yes. Do I think they would have killed each other? No. No. So, is it enemy to lovers? No. Not Rivals. to me. Not to me. Technically. <laughs> but not to me. In the Webster's Dictionary? I mean, politically, kind of. 
Yeah, and like I do and see when we them go, as... you know, go back in the day, red coats. Yeah. <laughs> Colonies. Enemies. In the eyes of George Washington, they are enemies <laughs> to lovers. In the eyes of me, well, I'm not wearing a white powdered wig, am I? <laughs> Wouldn't it be fun if you were? <laughs> you wouldn't even know. The incident at the wedding, um, it's Henry's older brother, correct? It's his wedding. Um, so Henry's not technically in line for the throne, but he's a prince still. The whole thing at the wedding is um, Alex is a little drunk, and he's like talking to Henry, and they're like bickering, kind of, and calling each other losers, basically. Um, and they start pushing each other a little bit because they're drunk, and then they literally knock over the entire fucking wedding cake. I literally gasped. I said, <gasps> when I read that part, oh, I was yeah, like, that, oh, like, wedding cake? That had me by the fucking neck. It's stressful. A wedding cake. That's expensive. And it's like, they're basically royalty, and one of them is, and like, yeah. they, this cake is basically part of royalty's wedding. Like, could you imagine? And they're just, just in the cake. Like, I'm just thinking about, like, Malia Obama getting married, like, during Obama's tenure and, like, her wedding cake getting knocked over. Like, I would lose my fucking mind. I wouldn't stop talking about it for months. <laughs> <laughs> like, Malia Obama. Sasha knocked over Malia Obama. Obama. Yeah. <laughs> just the over-dramatization of the name. Obama. <laughs> That's how we talk about it. I'm like, That's Obama's cake. I'd lose my mind. Like, I'm probably going to get taxed for that. <laughs> you would definitely be taxed for that. Yeah. And then that's all over the newspapers. Um, like Sydney pointed out. Oh, my gosh. This is modern. Not that oh, my gosh, is modern, but oh, my gosh, that sound. It's okay. I'll it scared play. me. has announced the death of his royal highness the duke of edinburgh <laughs> that's the energy of this whole book <laughs> yeah it says it opens up with him the cake getting knocked over and then it's all over the news well he finishes his degree him his sister june and his best friend and ex-girlfriend who's the granddaughter of the vice president nora oh i love nora they're given the nickname of the white house trio yeah yeah i love the white house trio they really focus on they're kind of like I, they're obviously not micro but the energy of them is very much like micro influencers yeah they're famous for being famous kind of yeah they're it's like if the kardashians were the, the presidents of the united states oh god can you imagine like they kind of are. That stresses me out. Let's be honest. And they're the presidents of the United States. Kylie's the VP, but she's going in for her eight-year takeover very soon. <laughs> You're right. They are kind of like the Kardashians of this universe. Like, yes. not in a trashy way. Like, how the Kardashians are viewed now with none of how they have been viewed, if that makes sense. All of the respect and admiration the Kardashians currently have. With none of the scandal, mm, yeah, none of the scandal, none of the like aversion people have to them because of their earlier trashy days. They're um supposed to be like social. They're treated as the White House trio is treated as like socialites and like the very like pure what socialites are supposed to be. Yeah, and I feel like uh these are what modern socialites would be. It's like the the Mormon circle of influencers mm -hmm. that you taught me but about, for Laura. politics. Yeah. And it's like, they're kind of squeaky clean. Yeah. They are viewed with, through a certain lens. Like it's very much if they're genuine, relatable and young. Yes. Yeah. And that's like the, the biggest yeah. things that are said in the book. Sydney, Sydney had mentioned that, uh, it's really well done the way that emails are used and texts are used and social media is used as a storytelling device. Yeah. Which is something I think Casey McQuiston is pioneering. Yes, because um, One Last Stop was a lot of... Um, Tweets in the Craigslist Yeah, ads. every chapter started with a social media posting yeah. of Jane. Yeah, and there was one tweet where the person's name was literally Yeah, asterisk, Ariana Voice, asterisk. And I put my book down, and this is in One Last Stop, which we should have mentioned then. Uh, literally put my book down and texted Laura and was like, Yeah? <laughs> Ariana voice uh, which now that I think about it might have been what kicked off our brief stint of yeah-ing yeah in every podcast 
but it just there's there's a way and it's like the way that i think movies think they're using social media when they like have a text blurb pop up that's not necessary because they're like look we're hip with the kids it's actually being used properly like every teen movie director producer whatever right now read a casey McQuiston novel yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) i mean social media is a whole big thing because they're in different countries um they're emailing and those emails become a huge plot device those emails are so good Okay, I was talking to someone, um, and I was like, oh, yeah, the Waterloo letters. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, that's literally what they call the emails. They call them the Waterloo letters once they are, like, leaked. Yeah, they're like Hillary's emails. (laughs) (laughs) But gay. They were just so nice. Yeah. And they get leaked, though. They get fucking leaked. Yeah. Yeah. And it's by um, his mom's opponent. Opponent's camp. Which... That fucks me up, and hopefully we'll get into it later. I'm going to say we'll get into it later, but I don't know if we will. So I'm we should just get into it now, then. Yeah, I'm just going to say it now, even though this is like way later. But the fact that that was his mentor, that no, like, he doesn't leak it. Isn't he part of it? Uh, no. He, the whole thing with his mentor was um, he ends up going as that guy's VP. Oh, that's right. That's right. But so he was like, part he of it. Literally he wasn't part of the, the leak. Ca- like, yeah, he wasn't part of the leak. He once the leaks came out, he kind of was like, "Oh, I know someone who did it." And he's the one that sent Alex information that led him to. He's find the whistleblower. The- yes. Okay. 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 Yeah. And I he and you find out that his mentor was basically sexually harassed by this candidate when he was younger, and so that's the whole reason why he was part of the campaign trail because he wanted to expose him eventually, but none of Alex's but, party, Alex's family. Nobody was knew much, that. Yeah, nobody knew that. So they weren't, they thought he was just betraying them. But it did affect Alex as if he was part of that until that big yes. reveal. That's what I was thinking of. Because it's like, it did, it fucked him up. Yeah. At first. Like, he was like, this is like a surrogate father for me. And I am. I mean, his father's a big part of his life. Yeah, but. It was like his big brother. Because this guy yeah, is yeah, openly yeah, yeah. gay, democratic well-respected in politics, which is basically what Alex wants to do. Yeah. It, this is who he wants to be. This is, like, his dream. Yeah, he's a senator. Him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyways, so the White House trio... Uh, yeah, June just got her degree in journalism, uh, and her and Alex often spend time together. And That's his sister. Yes. And then Nora is the VP's granddaughter, mm-hmm. and she's just outrageously smart yeah they're all brilliant like they are the cream of the crop they're rich they're intelligent they're confident uh alex and his sister did not grow up rich yes their family was poor before academia was always at the forefront for them and pioneering their dreams was always at the forefront that was never something that was a second guess for them so then they go to prince philip's wedding which is henry's older brother and that's where they knock over the cake and that's when they start their fake friendship. Um, it leads to oh, Alex. Oh, it's because Henry and June were dancing and he felt like he was disrespecting his sister by like being aloof during the dance. Yeah. He didn't seem like he cared. Yeah. So they were like bickering, pushed him, fell into a cake. Which obviously is like huge headlines. You don't, you know, knock over probably a million dollar cake. It's it's literally a royals. Yeah, a wedding. Yeah. Um. So they set up a thing where they're going to like, oh, they weren't fighting. Um, they were playfully bantering and tripped. And, and that's, that's set up by Zara, which is um, his mother, Ellen's vice chief of staff. And so they're like, okay, you're going to go to England and you're going to spend a weekend with Henry and you guys are going to be photographed as several different things and you guys are going to be the best fucking friends. I don't care if you hate him. I don't care if you guys kill each other later on. You're going to act like you guys are best friends. And they do. And they end up going to one of the events that they're probably got to go to is a children's hospital. And away from cameras, he hears Henry talking to a kid about Star Wars. And Henry loves Star Wars. And that's the first moment where they're all, he's like, oh, like, he's kind of cool. Like, we kind of have stuff in common. There's a false bomb threat at Yeah, and they the, get shoved into a closet Yeah, together. and it's almost like that was this book's version of There's Only One Bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It felt very much like forced... Uh, like, I like the trope where people are forced in the same room, forced in the same bed. I yeah. like forced proximity. Like, that... I Which, maybe yeah. I got a problem there. But I just love that trope because 
sometimes there are two characters that are just so different they have to literally be forced together to like yeah. break past a barrier and that's where this happens for them um and it's gradual casey mcquiston is a master of their craft but this is where like the, the snowball starts rolling and it just gets bigger from here yeah because um he hears the conversation but he doesn't say anything he doesn't interrupt and then they're pushing to a closet they're like literally pushed where they're like fumbling all over each other because they're in the dark and um yeah they're kind of like calling each other dickheads at that point but then they're also like alex makes a jab at him about star wars and they start like bickering about star wars but in like a more friendly way like how anyone would kind of argue with their friend about things that they like just like very playful and that's when he's like oh like are we kind of becoming friends maybe i he's like maybe i don't want to kill you now um, but he's also staying at the palace and he goes out one night and Henry's sitting there eating ice cream in the dark and he's like, okay, I kind of, you know, he's kind of cool. And then they start texting after that, after he leaves. It all goes splendidly. Yeah. They look like the best of friends. They go to, and they do a couple interviews together and they're like, this is actually my bestie. We have been besties. Uh, get used to seeing us. And they do get used to seeing them. But they're texting and they're like, uh, Alex finds that like he is texting Henry every day. And like, if they don't text, he's kind of like feeling a little like, why isn't my, why isn't my best texting me? And he's opening up to Alex about things that he doesn't feel like he can open up to June and Nora about. Um, he's talking about his family. Cause like June and Nora are basically his family. He can't just like, you know, vent about his family to his family. So he's found someone like outside of his normal circle that he can like tell things to. And he's like becoming more comfortable with them. And they're, like, genuinely becoming friends. They, like, lean on each other about emotional support. Henry opens up to him about anxiety that he has, um, his own family problems, which, like, the royals, they don't ever seem like there's problems with them. Even our royals, it's very, like, you know. I mean, there's clearly something going on between Harry and, what's the other prince's name? Like, the Williams. Yeah. There's yeah. clearly a beef between them, but they're like, no, they love each other. They're brothers. Yeah, that's why, again... Which this truly is a Sydney themed episode because she requested that re- we read the. I would love to. I Harry's love book. royal drama. Yeah, I love royal drama. Like I know. Look, I get it. Like I'm not some peasant in the 1950s. What? <laughs> I am black, so you know, time's different for me. <laughs> 1950s. <laughs> not a peasant in the old times. It doesn't matter if I get a crust of bread, whether they, you know, win some war. But I love the drama. Like, I, I love did the drama. wake up in the middle of the night unplanned and I watched the wedding. I was going to watch the wedding with my mom. Kate William's wedding. Williams, yeah. I was going to watch my mom and she's like, don't you dare stay up and watch it. And I was like, don't worry, I'm not going to. Fell asleep. Woke up just randomly in the middle of the night. And I was like, I'm just going to turn on my TV. <laughs> and it was on and I watched it without my mom. And I did hold my piss for three hours waiting for them to come out of the hospital when she first had the first baby. <gasps> Really? I was like, I have to pee, but like, if I go pee now, she's gonna come out. I'm gonna miss out. it. Yeah. It's like when the first showing, when they you know step out and they're like. Nah. I I had the same thing you had, with the Kate and Williams wedding. I had that with Harry and Megan's. I just woke up, and I was on like a lot of pain drugs. That's like right when I injured my back, and uh, I literally just woke up out of my sleep, came out. My parents were like washing it, like get in here. It's the royal wedding. <laughs> Where else am I gonna see people do all this? All I have is the Kardashians, and they're wearing Fashion Nova. <laughs> anyway, back to the story. What else was I going to say about Sydney? Did I say it? I said the, the Harry thing. But also, Sydney featured Texas. Yes. Alex's mom. I had to think how she's related to Alex. I don't know why. I think of mom. <laughs> Ellen. First president. She's Democratic, and she's from Texas. So she didn't win Texas the first time around. Texas hardly ever goes blue. If you're not American, you don't know that, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's this underlying storyline of Alex thinking, no, Texas is fairly democratic. I know that. I know the people. I know their spirits there. Like, I'm, tex- I'm from Texas. We can win this. And there's like a whole underlying story of him like working on how to win Texas the whole time. Spoiler alert, Texas goes blue. Yeah. Once the re-election comes around. And then it was crazy because when real life came around, Texas almost went blue. Yeah. In real life, yeah. Yeah. Casey McQuiston said manifest. Yeah. I literally, when I when it was blue for a little bit, I was like, <gasps> No, I was Casey! sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, maybe red, white, and royal blue. <laughs> the thing is, I don't really know anything about Texas except Sandy Cheeks. <laughs> and now Sydney. 
Um, but this book made me love Texas. Like I was like, everybody there's yeah. kind, they're sweet. I could show up on a random doorstep and they'll have a pie for me, which I think is the energy of Texas. Like mm-hmm. Sydney is like, ironically, one time my roommate was going on a picnic and I had just met Sydney and Sydney was just like on my screen, zoom on, you know, teaching me how to sing. And Michaela leans in and is like, I'm going to go on a picnic. And Sydney's like, you're bringing pie, right? And I was like, put on a country accent with that sentence. I was like, was there a country accent? Like, she's bringing pie, right? She doesn't have a country accent, but she, oh, like, the energy okay. of that. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't know you, but I don't offend you either. Sorry. No, besties? Besties. She, she has the energy of a country accent. I was like, that sentence should be, she can do a country accent, which makes <laughs> sense. When, like, I don't know why I was so surprised when she was singing me how to, singing me? Uh, yeah. Teaching me how to sing. Uh, a song from Waitress, and she like did the perfect country accent. And I was like, "That's so crazy!" And she's like, "Alexis, I'm from Texas." That's so crazy. I say that at work all the time. I don't remember. He's I'm he's in Atlanta, Georgia. My grandma's from Mississippi. My grandpa's from somewhere else in the South. So I know what they taught me. Which Alabama? Is... No, Alabama's right next door. It's right next door. Alabama Shore, <laughs> Florabama Shore, Florabama Shore. No, my I know the only things I know about the South are how to make greens really good and uh, fried cornbread. I've been to the South. Several times. I I go to the South every I've time. I've driven to the South, too. I cook Thanksgiving food, and that's it. I cook soul food once a year because it takes 12 hours for me to do it right. <laughs> I drove through the top of Texas, and then we stopped to get barbecue, and that was my Texas. Oh, my God. I saw a sign that said that there were swords in a mall. You could buy a sword in a mall. Welcome to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> also been to Oklahoma. It was pretty okay. <laughs> Shut the fuck Everyone I've ever met from the South has been really nice. <laughs> and they've never made that Oklahoma joke, so. <laughs> well, they're missing out then. I only want to go to Missouri to play the Maroon 5 song and leave. I am in misery. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the next thing that happens is pretty much the whole, like, uh, B-plot is... Is that the B plot? I think that's the B plot. The about the reelections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the whole B plot's introduced of like Alex starts working for his mom. Yeah, and keeping an eye on Jeffrey Richards, which is the right wing senator we mentioned earlier, and his dad's protege, Rafael Luna. Yeah, uh, who I did yeah. adore. I did really like him because even the scenes where you think he's a bad guy, there's so much heart to him, mm-hmm. and he's so brutally honest. Like he's genuinely a good like older brother figure. He, it's established that Alex has these goals and these dreams. He wants to be a senator by the time he's 30. Like, he wants to follow in his parents' footsteps. He's very into politics. It shows that he's, reminds me a lot of Damon. I knew you were going to say that. I was like, this is going Captain Prince. In the sense of, like, he fits in that genre of male characters that I adore. That's just, like, they're kind of stupid in the sense of they don't make decisions well, necessarily, But they're brilliant. Like, he is such a strategist, like Damon. He's smart, but he makes stupid decisions. Yeah, like, he has... Because he's emotional. He's um, heart-driven and not head-driven. Yeah. Like, he very much thinks with his heart first, but he's brilliant. I love those kind of characters. That's why Damon got stabbed, though, you stupid fucking bitch. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) 100,000 fucking percent. Alex would have gotten stabbed in the Captive Prince universe at oh, least yeah. twice. He'd have been gutted. <laughs> in that universe, yes, they would have been enemies to lovers. <laughs> Henry would have been the one stabbing him. Oh, yeah. <sighs> How to make a girl swoon. <laughs> oh, my God. From Blood and Ash. <laughs> that is the stabbing romance. Yeah. Oh, on Thanksgiving, Alex's parents get into an argument over the re-election and... Uh, Alex vents to Henry about his actual family political life, which he's never done really to anybody. He keeps it in the family. It is very much like they're American royals. So they have to kind of keep dirty little secrets. Yeah. And, but he vents to his enemy to feel better. And that was like, a I huge... think that's the first time they actually like, he, he actually like calls Henry on the phone. They've been texting the whole time, but they haven't talked on the phone. And this one, he's like, no, I just need to talk to someone. He's also sharing a room with turkeys because he finds out that the turkeys that they kill for Thanksgiving are used by uh, are put into hotel rooms by tax dollar money, and he's like, no, 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 no. 
we're not going to use tax dollar money to put turkeys in their own hotel rooms. <laughs> That's so right. So he's like, they can be in my room. And they're like, okay. And then the turkeys are like making their fucking turkey noises all night, staring at him. And he's like, okay, Henry, like I'm going to be killed by these turkeys. And I just want you to know that in case my body is found or my body's not found, I want you to be able to speak up and say that these turkeys fucking killed me. <laughs> I love that scene. I forgot about that. I did too. Uh, we all we read this book like a year ago, but it deserves its own episode, even if it's late. And then Alex invites Henry to a New Year's party. Oh, the and New Henry Year's brings party. his best friend Percy Pez Okonjo. Um, I love Pez. June and Nora are surprised that they have like an authentic friendship, like that Henry and Alex have a yeah. real friendship. They're like, whoa, 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 what's that? Yeah, we're your friends. It's like that scene in Friends when mm-hmm. someone knocks on the door and they're all yeah, in the room. Yeah, and they're like all in the room. They're <laughs> yeah. like, who's who else could be back in the room? Yeah, that's. That's it's a scarecrow. <laughs> That's when they kiss. Is at the New Year's party. Yeah, because Henry goes out inside. <gasps> yeah. Because they're like dancing together. They're having a great time. And then he just disappears. And, and Alex is like, what the fuck? Sees him outside. So he's like, hey, what's what's wrong? And then Henry just kisses him. He like drunkenly kisses him. Yeah. Right? And yeah. then Alex is like, oh my God, I like this. And kisses him back. And that makes Alex spiral of like, oh my God, maybe I like men. Oh, because then Henry leaves. And does not pick up any of his calls, doesn't text him back, ghosts him, basically. Yeah. And Alex is, like, going through this, like, sexual identity crisis now of, like, oh, my God, okay, I definitely like girls, but, like, I think I like boys, too. Yeah, so he reaches out to his ex-girlfriend, who's bisexual, and she was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, Nora is like, I've just always known. She said, I saw titties, and I said yes, and then I saw a man, and I also said yes. Yeah, and then she also said she knew that Henry was gay, and that she's like, Alex... That's a gay man. Have fun. It's okay. And then he reaches out to his ex-best friend, who he hasn't talked to in years. Um, Liam. Liam. And um, he's like, so, like, when we used to, like, get off together, was that gay? And Liam's like, I am gay. You played with my feelings. Well, he doesn't. Like, Liam doesn't say that trying. right away. He's like, I was not trying to play with your feelings. Yeah, that's, like, later. He calls Liam, and Liam at first is like, why the fuck are you calling me? Like, go to hell. And Alex is like, whoa, that was kind of loaded. What did I do? And it's like, you loaded him up, bud. And then <laughs> left the... That, that, like, bit by bit coming together when you're like, oh, my God, him and his best friend used to, like, literally jack each other off. And he was, like, still like, nope, I'm straight. It's fine. Um, I think we've all mm, had moments like that. Not to that extent. No, I didn't jack my best friend off. <laughs> Not to that extent. But I feel like, you know, there were moments where I was like, oh, well, and I think also, like, I don't know how that experience is for men. Because, like, as a woman, a lot of the, like, semi, like, homoerotic things that I did with my girlfriends were things that were painted for girls to do. Like, you change with your girlfriends. You, like, ogle each other's bodies because you're trained to, like, compete and then I think when you're attracted to other women, it becomes this blurred line of like, am I interacting with her this way because I'm trained to compare myself to her? Or am I interacting with her this way because I am attracted to her and intrigued by her? And that was what was very confusing for me. Like, so I feel like that scene, like, I was like, was I just like emotionally and like mildly jacking off my friends? <laughs> But I was confused because I'm like, no, in all the rom-coms, like, they're jumping on each other half naked. Why can't I? I feel bad sometimes thinking about it because I'm like, I made these moments that were probably very innocent for them. Like, and it was still innocent. Like, I was still learning things and I was still a kid. But it's like, I feel bad because I was, like, sexualizing them in a place where I'm like, women should always be comfortable. And I was out there being a whore. (laughs) And I ruined this moment for them. Yeah, I just had one friend that. Our whole relation, and I mean, I had several best friends where it was like that was dating. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I look back and I'm like, I was. She didn't want me to hang out with other people. I didn't want her to hang out with other people, like the same way that we did. <laughs> like, the intimacy of our friendship was yeah. insane. We shared everything. I also like accidentally kissed several of my friends. What the fuck? <laughs> like, I'm like, that's. There's nothing straight about that. For them, maybe. Maybe it was my bisexual influence on them. I don't know. Or maybe they were just, like, they liked the attention. Like, I don't know what their business was. But I know my business was gay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
And I just feel like that was like I felt very seen by this like best friend accidental introduction. Like, no, I wasn't whack a moling anybody, but I was a little <laughs> emotionally. Yeah. But I feel like it's usually emotionally with women. Yeah. Well, and that's what I mean, because I feel like the physical stuff gets very confusing. You are literally set up to compete with women your whole life. That's an obsessive behavior. And yeah. attraction mimics obsessive behaviors. So it was confusing for me what was and what wasn't. Anyway, so then um, Alex confronts Henry at the state dinner for Philip. Oh, and then they make out. Yeah, and they start spending time together. And, they... and they're basically at this point, they're like, we're not getting together. We're just doing the physical stuff. Yeah. And they don't really say that, but they like kind of say it. It's like brushed over. Yeah. They don't like make rules or anything. They're just like friends with benefits. Yeah. And it's not really like spoken, but I there's love like consent. With benefits. The trope not, of like not in real life. It doesn't work in real life. I'm in in fiction. Yeah. <laughs> I love it in fiction. <laughs> well, I like the fact that it doesn't work in real life because like that's why I like seeing it in fiction. Yeah. I like the reflection of feelings getting messy. Mm-hmm. Always. Oh my god. It's oh because it's always so good, especially when you get a character like Alex and Henry. Like these are brilliant, brilliant men. They are so smart. They are trained to be the best that they can be, and they are now confused. I love that shit. Oh. They're like, I'm so smart, I can trust myself more than anything else. No, you can't. You're thinking with pee-pee now. <laughs> um, and then they go to a fundraiser and they spend time together and Alex and Henry have sex for the first time. And they go to WeHo, right? Because they all go out after a fundraiser. Pez is there. Nora, Jean are there. Yeah. They have kimonos that are matching. They it's go in to LA. Carry- yeah, they yeah. go to WeHo. They go to a bar. It's That scene um, is so cute. Yeah, and they're like... They they get uh, Henry so drunk he's like up there singing and they're like oh my god we literally have the Prince of England singing karaoke <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Rocket Man yeah by Elton John if I'm wrong don't tell me it's a head cannon now yeah um, I'm pretty sure it's an Elton John's one no I'm positive I'm positive it's Rocket I Man. know it's Elton John yeah I can't remember if it's Rocket Man I think it's Rocket I feel Man. like you're right though um anyways the only person that correct me is Sydney go ahead correct me if I'm wrong um. <laughs> And I think that's when Alex is kind of like, ooh, I actually like him. They go into the room. They have sex for the first time. Nora and June and Pez end up in a room together. Nothing, no one knows what happens because no one talks about it afterwards. But it's kind of hinted that the three of them might have hooked up at one point. They're like, oh, no, this person woke up in a bathroom. This person woke up here. This person woke up here. But it's kind of hinted at that, that they might be together, the three of them. Yeah, like even just for the night. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite part about this scene, like, as a whole now, looking back on it, I'm like, that was such a... It felt like how One Last Stop felt. Like, yes. the, the energy of that scene is how almost the entire book of One Last Stop feels. Yes. Which is why, like, I do still think this is better than One Last Stop. I I loved One Last Stop. I still think Red, White, and Royal Blue... There's just something I, about I, it. I had... Right when I finished One Last Stop, I had a reason why I liked... Uh, red, white, and royal blue better. Uh, I don't remember what it was now. But I feel like the thing with One Last Stop was it like... I liked... I think the there was more of those moments that felt like you would do anything to be there with them. Um, like you would just love to dive into that book at that moment. There was more of those moments. Um, but red, white, and royal blue, there's something about it that just hit different. I feel like they almost don't... F- feel like it's by the same author if that makes sense it feels like the same tone like like i said casey mcquinston's master of their craft and i feel like they are pioneering things that need to be in new adult like all new Mm -hmm. adult fiction to categorize it like i feel like they are pioneering this whole genre yes so i feel like it's in the same genre but i feel like it's by different authors in that exact same genre like it feels like which is hard because like they both feel like casey mcquinston it just feels like two totally different like it's it's hard to explain that like Red, white, and royal blue feels like... They both feel like rom-coms. But red, white, and royal blue is more like The Prince and Me, Sleepless in Seattle. Like, there's so much more like... Did you see my Twitter thread about Prince and Me? Yeah, of course I did. But it's more like... It's more of those, like, very much yearning. Like, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. That is what red, white, and royal blue is giving. Whereas, like... I love the, um... I just had it in my head. Sorry. No, it's fine, 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 fine. I, no, 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 think about it. Let's, let's just wait. No. Okay. 
<laughs> no. I settled in. <laughs> um, I feel like one last stop was more. It's hard because all the ones I'm thinking of, I still love so much. I want to say like legally blonde energy. Yeah. Like 13 going on 30. Yes. Which I love those movies. Like those are. It's just a slightly different tone. Yeah. They're more like fun, like um, Devil Wears Prada. Like it's, which see, these are all, these are all amazing. And I feel like you can't really compare them because of like what they are. But it just felt so much more about the fun and the growth and the journey, which I I loved. I loved One Last Stop. But when you compare that to me sitting there and watching The Prince and Me or 10 Things I Hate About You, where it's like... I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it is. Yes. It's the same thing I compared with People We Meet on Vacation and Beach Read by Emily Henry. Uh Uh-huh. Beach Read was... There was a romance in it. It was the main, supposed to be the main plot point, but uh, most of it was about the character development of her, of the main character and her getting over what her father had done and accepting people aren't black and white. Yeah. Um, it felt more about that. Um, the love story was almost parallel to that. Yeah. And that would be a one last stop. It was her figuring out what happened to Jane and her family. And then the f- love was parallel to that. Yeah. Like the love was a B plot almost more than yes. the main thing. Whereas with this, the election is more of the yeah. B plot. Whereas. Yes. And then in uh, People We Meet on Vacation, it was purely love story. It was solely about their relationship and the development it went through. And that's the same thing as one uh, Red, White, and World. God, analysis queen. Because you really figured it out. I was out here like, what is the difference? And it really is that one last stop is about August and, and her, her journey. development. Yeah. And Jane is on a train. Mm-hmm. And I love that train. But it's August story. Yes. Whereas Red, White, and Royal Blue, it is about Alex, but it's also mostly about Alex and Henry. And, and their development together. Yeah, and the implications of that on Alex's life. Yes. Yeah. And I think I'm just, I'm a bitch who loves my romance to be about the romance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas, like, still love it. Would mm-hmm. read One Last Stop again. Would read this book again. Like, I love it, I love it, I love it. But it just pushed it a little over the top. Yes. And I feel like it also just makes me feel more fulfilled at the end of a romance if I feel like I journeyed through the entire romance itself. Also with um, One Last Stop, it ends without us getting to know Jane's full growth. Yeah. If that makes sense. Because I do like how, like, I love that, love how Jane, like, retroactively grew. Um, But it just felt more fulfilling to watch Henry and Alex both come into their own together mm-hmm. versus Jane finding her own and August coming into her own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got it. We yeah. got it. <laughs> we got it. It took us a second, but we got there. Which, I mean, that's why with Legally Blonde, it's like, that's about L. Mm-hmm. The romance is secondary. Same thing with, yeah, I actually... Devil Wears Prada, same thing. It's yeah. about her development. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. My brain really subconsciously yeah. had that in the fucking bag yeah because 10 things i hate about you they both grow <laughs> we just played charade with rom-coms <laughs> anyways and then <laughs> and then is this when they go to texas together because every summer they go to wimbledon June. and philip is a dick oh yeah and then they like hanky panky in the um stalls yeah and then luna becomes richard richard's vp nominee Ooh. alex is comforted by henry they spend the night together um Oh, oh, and then they're caught by Zara. Yes. And uh, yes. And then Alex tells his mom. And, and she then she's like, that's PowerPoint super about- sweet. You're fired. Yeah. She makes a whole PowerPoint of like, that's great that you're exploring your sexuality. But like, can we not do with um, world leaders kids? Yeah. She's like, super cool. You're gay. Did it have to be the Prince of England? <laughs> Which it's like, fair. so true, bestie. Like, yeah, you're being fair. a really good, open, accepting mom. And I love that for you. You are firing your son, though, from the family business. The family business is being the president of the United States. It was your choice to make things that big. You could have ran, like, a bookstore, and he could have been a clerk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then they all go to Texas for July 4th, and then Henry's there, and... um, His dad kind of knows. Yeah. And then they they go go skinny dipping, and then he's like, I love you, and then Henry's like, bye. Yeah. Ghost him. Yeah. Henry's like, how did we do last time you gave me a big revelation? We stop talking. Let's do that again. He cries Alex about confronts it. Henry and Henry's like, I'm scared because I have expectations, but I want to be with you. 
let's do it in secret. And Alex is like, cool. I love being somebody's secret. I'll keep you my dirty little secret. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me. That's um, when they start emailing each other. Yes. And they're like, I've had dreams about you. And our last time we canoodled. Last time we did the do. Yeah. Philip um, wanted Henry to be a secret gay. He like reveals that his brother wasn't supportive of him. And then. And he also reveals that he lost his virginity to his brother's best friend. Oh, and they find leaked photos of them making out in the elevator. Yes, those are leaked. And then uh, Alex goes on a date with Nora in public to, like, hide it. Then Henry goes on a date with June. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. could you guys be any more obvious about being each other's beards? Like, And then they meet in the alleyway of the car and are kissing. And the fucking blackout windows on the side are obviously blacked out. But the fucking windshield isn't. And people take their photo. Yeah. And then the emails are leaked. And they're called the Waterloo Letters. And at that point, Henry uh, Alex goes to Henry because Henry stops answering all his calls. Alex literally flies to England, stands outside the palace with a boombox. Not a boombox, but he is yelling. The energy. <laughs> it's the boombox energy. Yeah. He's standing outside of his window with a It's a literally box, raining. But, like, he's not staying outside of his window with a yes. boombox. But he's, like, sta- you get what I'm saying? He's standing outside of his window with a boombox. With a boombox. Um, and then Al- uh, Henry comes down and I was like... You better shut the fuck up. <laughs> you better turn that boom box off right now. <laughs> Where do you get one of those? Your box better stop booming. The whole time you also meet Henry's sister who used to be in rehab. Um, you get a sense that the mom's very absent after his dad died. The mom actually like, you actually meet the mom. And then she like tells him how proud she is of him. She's the queen, right? No, his grandma's the queen. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because then they have a meeting with the queen and they, the queen made sure they came in through, like, a back way. And um, she's like, you can't be gay. And he's like, well, I am. Yeah. Um, but she's like, that's not going to work out for us here. Yeah. He's like, there's a and multiple then, like, choice people... question questionnaire for you to fill out. And it says, gay, 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 gay. Disown me. She Your was choice. like, people aren't going to support this. And then his mom is like, really? Because she opens the window and, like, everyone, there's a bunch of people outside of Buckingham Palace with fucking pride flags, very supportive, clearly. Yeah, it's like a almost like a, a like a counter protest to what she's saying of people wearing their fucking faces on their shirts and hearts, and like they are Larry. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it! Don't you dare! <laughs> I'm killing you! I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> this is a One Direction concert, and they are Larry. Stop! That's that moment. Stop. Stop it. Stop being right? I can't. No. <laughs> no. You better stop it right now. I am haunted. <laughs> okay, Taylor Swift. I mean, Nora. Stop! <laughs> Anyways, I'm killing her later. Um, next episode is just going to be me. <laughs> oh, my God. I had a train of thought, and then she said Larry, and I just saw red. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Last episode in Captive Prince, I was talking about how I love a line. I love a line. This is history, huh? Bet we could make some. They're driving on the street and someone has painted a mural of them. Um, Henry as Princess Leia. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Star Wars. Yeah. And him is on and, uh, Alex is on Solo. I went to go, eh, and I was like, don't do that. Han <laughs> Solo? Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's tons of support. Um, and then they, does it like flash forward? Well, they go, th- they kind of close out the B plot of their things being leaked. Raphael, Luna, um, they're told like if he snitches, he'll have immunity. And he was like, that was kind of my plan on the long besties. And then, cause he sent the emails intentionally from his computers, from his boss. So he would get caught. He was like 10 steps ahead. He essentially like out scams the opponent, but not in a way because he knows he won't like get him in trouble, trouble. He's too powerful, but he knows he can ruin him publicly with anybody who cares about gay rights Mm -hmm. and like mm, young people not being taken advantage of. And, you know, the enemy, I don't even remember the other president's name anymore, but he basically is like, I have not had sexual relations with that (laughs) woman. Alex takes his LSAT exam because he wants to go to law school instead of... He, like, changes the whole plan. He's like, I'll go to law school first. I can become a senator after I go to law school. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm interested in this now. I care about people's rights. And I think I can do just as much 
from being and a lawyer. Henry's also like, guess what? I bought a brownstone in New York because I'm working. I'm gonna open up a charity with Pez. Yeah, and so they're all like, kind of changing their future plans instead of doing what they think they should be doing. They're doing what they want to, and that includes loving each other. And then it goes to the election where Ellen is victorious. Oh, they also take official portraits, courting portraits. Wait, they win because of Texas turning blue, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then Texas turns blue. Ellen wins. And Alex and Henry leave the celebration and go to each other's childhood homes. And they finally get to show each other. Yeah, he takes uh, uh, he takes Henry to his childhood home. And he has the whole time he's been wearing um, the key from his childhood home around his neck. And he finally, like, they bike ride, which I thought was really cute that they were riding bikes. Yeah. Like, they're, you know, world leaders at this point. Uh, riding little bike skulls. And he shows them to his childhood home, and that's how it ends, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, they go to each other's homes. And I think they go to Henry's. But it just, it was really cool, because in this book, they spend the entire time showing each other who, like, becoming who they are together. They're mm-hmm. showing each other, like, pieces they of themselves they hid from themselves. Mm-hmm. They discover these parts of themselves. Of themselves. Yeah. And then they finally get to show each other who they were at the very, very end. Yeah. And I love that. Like, I love that. It was like they loved each other for who they were through discovery. And then they finally get to be like, this is. Yeah. This is the shell you broke me out of. Like, that's. (sighs) Just gets me. It was so good. Yeah, it was so fucking good. It's very American-centered, though, because I saw someone talking about, like, oh, yeah, I didn't really get some of the, like, politics that were explained in it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's super American. Yeah, but I do feel like none of that's treated that important. And the stuff that is is kind of elaborated on. Like, I feel like the senator stuff was the only... But, like, the whole, like, there was uh, something about the milk industry. Oh, yeah, the dairy industry. Yeah, and someone was like i don't understand why that was in there and i was like that's just very american yeah the dairy industry is dying and like the got milk thing was like fake and like that's something like i think every american kind of knows is like we all got we didn't got, got, got milk we got god <laughs> <laughs> and that's just like a little american tidbit but i feel like that wasn't even that important it was like a very it brief... wasn't it was just something that i remember someone i saw someone talking about and i'm like huh yeah if i was not american i would have been like what yeah but I feel like it wasn't super... Yeah. But I, I do think I would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about milk for? Yeah. Go back to politics. Milk is politics. Have you seen a cow's titties? Well, also, have you seen the price of milk? Fucking <laughs> 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 expensive. Yeah, milk is super expensive. And then if you want to like not drink milk and like have like fake milk, that shit's more expensive. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I think my favorite outside of them getting Henry to stand up and sing karaoke and like really bust him out of a shell um is when alex is talking to his dad and he's still like no henry's like just my friend um but his dad's like oh like i really like him like he's really nice and like he seems really good for you it was just like a really nice moment because i feel like there's a stereotype because his dad is mexican like there's a stereotype on like families that are not white yeah and very traditional to be homophobic yeah and they're from texas it lends itself would have been perfect for some other book to give that moment of like a ooh, my dad doesn't approve but like his dad was very much like i love you no matter what i like henry he seems very nice you guys work out very well together he fits in very well with our family it was just such a nice moment yeah because it could have in any other writer's hands been very bad that's my favorite thing i think so far about casey mcquiston's body of work that i've consumed is just like because i don't think they don't have any other books right just these two yes so So, i feel like they've both technically been coming out stories but they feel like coming out the same way that like non-lgbt novels feel about just finding their first love yeah. If that makes sense. Like, uh-huh. it's just kind of a discovery unto themselves. Yeah. And there's, like, the internalized pain that I feel like is coming out because it's like, uh-oh. Like, this could be stressful for my fucking life. This could be dangerous for my life. Mm-hmm. Those things are not skimmed over. They're given importance. But they're not always so painful. Like, yeah. I, um, I was reading reviews on A Little Life. I don't remember who the author is right now. Um, 
but I'm pretty sure everybody's pretty familiar with that book. But it's it felt huge. It just felt so nice how accepting his family was. Yeah. Oh, A Little Life by Hanya Yanigara. I don't know if I'm pronouncing the last the name right. You'll know the cover. Okay. Yeah. So I was reading the plot synopsis on that. It's a 814 page book. <gasps> James is almost halfway done. Like he doesn't even read fiction. And he's like, it's rough. <laughs> like, and because he's listening to the audiobook, he said it's a 38 hour audiobook, I think. And he's like 12 hours in. Uh, but I read the plot synopsis to see if I could like read it with him. It is so excruciatingly painful. And there's no reprieve from beginning to end. It's pain. And a lot of the reviews were like, oh, this is like the LGBT story of the year that it came out. Like, I think it came out in 2015. Or like, this is the truest, like, like gay experience this is the rawest story for lgbt and i think that's what a lot of lgbt stories come out to be is just pain and like agony and suffering and i think that like yes you know real life that can be what the experience is Mm -hmm. i do think that gay people and lgbt people deserve happy endings yeah and they deserve to just read something and feel good. I think that's becoming more of a thing. Because even in, like, I see this a lot on Twitter. Like, we don't have to have sad gay stories. There can be happy gay stories. Yeah. Not everything has to be, like, you know, overly realistic. Even though, like, Alex's story is realistic to some people. Some people have very supportive families. Yeah. And it's nice to read about that. Yeah. Or I think it was also nice because Henry's family isn't. So you're mm-hmm. still seeing that painful perspective but it's not so at the forefront that the reader has to feel anguish the entire way through like i don't know it's just well even in henry's case his sister's very supportive his sister's the very first person he came out to because it she was addicted to drugs he sees her and she's like because their dad dies everyone takes it very harshly um his mom basically locks himself her up herself up does not really interact with life um, his sister starts doing drugs, and it's a whole thing in the tabloids where, like, everyone knows she does drugs. Yeah. Um, she goes to rehab a few times, but he sees her. She doesn't come home for several days. He ends up finding her. She's, like, sick, sick. And she's very much, like, strung out. And he's like, starts to cry in front of her. And is like, I can't lose you, too. Like, I can't be alone and gay. Yeah. And then that's when she was like, oh, my God. Like, I need to be there for him. So she cleans her shit up to help her brother yeah and she still like struggles and stuff it's like i i appreciate that it wasn't treated like some magic cure-all was gay um but like and then at the very end his mom is there for him and was like i'm so sorry that i haven't been there for you yeah it's like he still does get that support it's just like he has a journey yeah yeah that and, and the thing is it's just like i don't know and like i do think that those stories of anguish should still be written because I think that's a huge catharsis for the LGBT community. But stories like this need to become just as normal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I feel like like as a bisexual person, I've only really seen bisexual characters portrayed as like a foil. Or like as something that's sleazy or confused. Or like Alex's story wasn't confusion in the sense of like... It wasn't portrayed through promiscuity. It wasn't portrayed through cheating. That's a huge one where it's like, oh, they have a straight partner, but now they're fucking a mm-hmm. same sex person. And then now they figured it out. Like, I appreciate it was nice to just read something that felt organic. I don't know. It was just nice. I also think a lot of um, straight people will try to write gay and bisexual characters. And there's always. It's always so heavily sexualized. Mm-hmm. And like, this was just cute. And it was just. It two was boys wholesome. falling in love yeah and i mean you can tell it's it's n- not a straight writer mm-hmm. because everything felt so authentic but i don't know like i said i feel like casey mcquinson is pioneering a lot of stuff literature wise that i mean and i'm sure other writers have done this but as far as large-scale publishing goes casey mcquinson's kind of driving the bus right now mm-hmm. and we are all on a field trip <laughs> <laughs> They're Miss Frizzle. <laughs> and we're going on an adventure. 
<laughs> I am in somebody's intestine and we are <laughs> learning how the digestive system works. <laughs> and that person does have IBS. <laughs> They're gay. <laughs> like, there is gay crow. <laughs> Anyways, um, so we're going to wrap this up now. Find us on Lit Bitch Pod at no, at Lit Bitch Pod on <laughs> Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, LitBitchPod.com online. Rate and review us on Apple Podcast. Donate to our Ko-Fi. Um, just like you would put a stripper's tip in the crack. <laughs> Leave your tip in our Ko-Fi. Um, also, if you see Nicole, immediately drop me your geolocation. <laughs> Notice... The X on all our profile pictures. We do not associate with that bitch no more. But if you see her, tweet me. (laughs) Bye-bye. Nicole, come back. (laughs)